As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone, and we are going to talk some football. It's been a couple weeks. You know, we had that weird bye week that no one wanted because Louisville wasn't handling COVID very well, and then we actually beat Louisville this past Saturday, and uh, we're also going to talk some hoops this week. But before we get into that, Rob, how are you doing today? I'm terrific, man. And you know, football team has won two in a row. Basketball, it's almost basketball season. We're eight days away when we're recording this. Um, So we're starting to like get to that magical time of year when like sports are all happening. So I'm great, man. I'm great. Great to be on with you. Yeah. If you actually open up your ESPN app, you will see, and you have Virginia basketball listed as one of your favorite teams, you will see that in the upcoming stuff. It's next week. You know, it's in, uh, it's in eight days, so next Wednesday at 2 p.m. in Bubbleville, UVA versus Maine. Uh, it's going to be fun. Not sure how good of a game it's going to be. Also, how does one get on flow hoops? I don't know. Do you know how to do that? Is the, is it like a free service? It's definitely not free from what I've read. I don't like I know, it <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely don't like it. Okay. But it's whatever. We get ESPN on Friday, so we'll just take that. Yeah, we'll take it. And uh, on Friday, it's ESPN against Florida, which should be a good non-conference game. And uh, we might preview that next week. But before we get into it, I want to talk about our sponsors, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantages of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. So on Saturday, the Virginia football team beat Louisville 31-17 to in a game that I think, you know, I was never super worried about. I, it never felt super close to me when I was watching it. How did you feel about it, Rob? You know, going into the game, this was one that you really hope we would win. You know, Louisville, A, you know, just kind of a down year. Um, I'm still high on Scott Satterfield as a coach, but, you know, kind of a setback from where they were a year ago. Um, And then, you know, you look at their offense, you know, talk about COVID, which was the reason the game was pushed. And we kind of had the surprise bye week. Um, They still had a lot of players out due to COVID. Um, You know, some of those players out, you know, whether or not it was due to COVID or other reasons were 2-2 Atwell, their star receiver. And, um, Hawkins, their star running back. Mm-hmm. So this was a Louisville team that was definitely undermanned. And, you know, you kind of like this matchup for UVA to begin with coming into the game, especially after the UNC win. So, you know, definitely a game that you wanted Virginia to win. There were several plays that we can talk about that kind of decided this game. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was a nice, nice win for this UVA team. Yeah, I agree. And it kind of started off fast because um, with the Noah Taylor pick six, uh, running for 85 yards. I mean, that's a long way to run. Noah Taylor really hoofed it down the stretch. He got a nice block 
I think from a uh, Zandir kind of down the middle of the field, but you know, it was really kind of a hot start for UVA. Of course, we go down 10 to 7 in the second quarter, but we go into halftime up 14-10 and then kind of never look back. Let's talk about the offense because I feel like the offense is kind of getting into a rhythm finally. You know, the big big points against UNC, scoring 31 points against Louisville, and I feel like we kind of know the under or we understand that this is a run first team, which is not something that we've had uh, under Bronco Mendenhall before. You think about the gunslinger in in uh, Kirk Benkert. You think about Bryce Perkins, who is a fabulous runner, but was honestly a very good passer, especially in his fourth year. This team is much more run heavy than probably what we expected. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to really piece all that together as the season started to unfold because, you know, it was obviously a new identity to start the season without Bryce Perkins. And then, you know, Brennan Armstrong goes down and we have Lindell Stone and the quarterback rotation and what have you. But now that we have Brennan back, he's played three consecutive games now. Um, we're really starting to see the identity of this team. And, you know, this was a pretty balanced attack against Miami. Um, it was about 35 rushes to 35 passes. But then look at the next two weeks. Against UNC, UVA had 42 rush attempts to just 23 pass attempts. And then, um, or sorry, that against UNC, it was 51 rush attempts to 22 pass attempts. And against Louisville, it was 42 rush attempts to 23 pass attempts. So each of the past two weeks, UVA has almost doubled, if not doubled, the number of rushing attempts they have versus the pass attempts. Now, what do we contribute it to? I think, A, having Brennan Armstrong back, he's more of a threat on the ground and is consistently getting around 15 carries a game. Um, I think you can also attribute it a bit to Shane Simpson as well. Shane mm-hmm. Simpson, you know, we knew he was kind of a receiving back coming in, but he's shown the ability to run between the tackles these past few weeks. And, you know, finally, and maybe most importantly, we have to chalk it up to this offensive line. This offensive line has done a really, really good job these past few weeks. And, you know, not only do they have pretty good talent up front, but, you know, they also have depth. And that depth has looked like it's going to get tested a bit with Bill and Rankensmeyer out. Um, he wasn't on the depth chart on Monday, so we're guessing his season is likely done um, due to that injury he suffered against Louisville. But, you know, for the first time since Bronco Mendenhall has been coach and since the early London years, you can say this offensive line might be able to withstand an injury, which alone speaks volume. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, I, I like what you said about Shane Simpson, too, because he had 12 carries for 50 yards, which, you know, is great. But he's a really nice off-speed guy. When you've got a guy like Wayne Talapapa, who I think the whole conference knows is kind of a dive-forward kind of bag, even though he's, seen, he's um, had a lot more wiggle this year. Um, Shane Simpson brings a kind of a new dynamic. He's more, he's kind of shifty, kind of like uh, Smoke Mizell was a couple of years ago. But also, you've got Ronnie Walker coming in uh, with five carries for 20 yards. All of our uh, ball carriers, except for Billy Kemp, who had two carries, um, averaged over four, y- four yards or more a carry. Ronnie Walker had four yards a carry. Talapapa had four yards a carry. Brennan had four yards a carry. And Shane Simpson had 4.2 yards per carry. So you look at that and that's a f- like a four headed running attack and we can just chug, you can just run through guys. It's kind of like the Browns, you know, the Browns this season have really, they don't pass anymore. Um, I unfortunately have <laughs> um, uh, Jarvis Landry on my team and he doesn't catch any balls cause they don't need to throw them. They've got two great running backs in Nick Chubb and um, uh, that other one. I forget, but anyway, yeah, Kareem Hunt, right, and so we have a four-headed running attack, and when your quarterback is a threat to run and really a threat to score each time he carries the ball, it changes the way the defense needs to play, and I think that's really important for this team. Yeah, and you know, it's a way to counteract kind of what we knew the weaknesses of the offense were. You know, we know this offense just does not have great team speed. You know, at wide receiver, Terrell Janna, Billy Kemp, you know, both solid receivers, kind of veteran guys for sure, and both very sure-handed guys, but, you know, they're not blowing anyone away. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen Lavelle Davis have the ability to go up and get jump balls and, you know, really excited about what Lavelle Davis can bring to the table, but, you know, he's not a speed guy either. So you have this passing game with the new quarterback that has missed some time early in the season, 
and, you know, receivers that just aren't necessarily game-changing receivers. So, you know, this is kind of the way the offense, I feel like, should have evolved. You know, it's evolving so that, unlike last year when Virginia leaned on the passing game so heavily, you know, it's leaning on the run game. And, you know, we have different guys now who have different strengths. And, you know, for the first time since Broncos' first season, since the 2016 season, we're actually utilizing uh, multiple running backs. You know, that season it was Smoke Mizell, Albert Reed. Now this year we have, you know, a lot of options. And I, for one, am really, really excited the way this running back rotation is unfolding. And, you know, with a team like Abilene Christian coming up next week, um, you know, the hope is that this team can just assert its will. And, you know, maybe Brennan has 15, 20 pass attempts and this uh, running game can just go to work. You know, that's what I'm really hoping for. Yeah. And, you know, we were even missing our, I think, main running quarterback, Keaton Thompson, who was out for this game. Uh, do you know why he was out, Rob? It appeared to be it was some sort of... Um, non-injury related incident so okay. maybe maybe it was a violation of team rules maybe it was something else but um bronco did say he will be back this week okay so if you bring keaton thompson back into the fold too that's another quarterback another weapon that this team has to run the ball with so that's exciting coming up and you know looking at our schedule you know coming up it's easy to like to like what you see you know we've got abilene christian uh, coming up we're at florida state which is never an easy place to play but florida state kind of sucks this year and i don't want to jinx it but like they really have not played well um recently and so i'm i'm feeling better about that matchup every time i see it um the other uh boston college at home uh unfortunately boston college now has a week off right before our game because of uh, postponement issues and and rescheduling opportunities from the ACC so that's unfortunate but uh and then we're at Virginia Tech which should be it uh, looks like it's going to be a really good game um just with the matchups and everything so I'm excited for that but yeah it's exciting to see you know what this run game is gonna could be able to do for us yeah definitely and like you said the schedule you know, looks somewhat manageable moving ahead, you know, not to say there's a huge margin for error because we know there's not, but obviously, you know, Virginia didn't pull out the win against Miami, but in phases looked better than what we'd seen all season, North Carolina, you get the win, Louisville, you get the win, Abilene Christian, hopefully, you know, we can string together three in a row here looking at Florida state, you know, Florida state, like you said, is kind of falling apart and what's become somewhat of a annual tradition in Tallahassee. You know, they had a number of players opt out the rest of the season recently. Um, you know, it's just not a good look on the program right now. So, you know, if there are fans in that stadium, it'd get a lot, whole lot harder. But, you know, it's it wouldn't shock me if Florida State just doesn't have any fight left in them the rest of the season. Yeah. Boston College and Virginia Tech, you know, both of those are going to be pretty close games. But, you know, there was so much concern and frustration at the beginning of the season where, we start out kind of slow. The offense doesn't look good. Obviously, Brennan goes down, uh, misses second half against NC State, misses the Wake Forest game. I think now, you know, we're start starting to finally see, you know, a more complete team. Now, not to say this is the perfect team. You know, Joey Blunt and Brendan Nelson are still out. We don't know when or if they'll come back this season. Um, but, you know, this is closer to the team we expected at the beginning of the season. I think having Brennan get this experience under his belt has done a world of good for this team. I really agree with you. And I think that having Brennan back is, is, has done wonders for us. You know, when we, um, and we had a tough stretch of games too, when he was out, it's not like, you know, we were playing nobodies when he was out, we were playing teams that were tough. You know, we play, he was, out versus NC State, which is the, who's been pretty good. Wake has been good. Miami's been good. And so I think that, you know, those three losses, in, and of course the game before that was at Clemson, uh, that's that's just a tough stretch of games right there. And so without your starting quarterback who, and kind of also without your identity of the offense, you know, we were still passing a lot in those games, a lot because we were down, but also because I don't think we didn't have Ronnie Walker. Keaton Thompson wasn't truly healthy or maybe didn't know the playbook as well. And Shane Simpson hadn't really stepped up as an, as a really good runner yet. So we didn't have the same offense. And 
frankly, the offense is completely different uh, since the UNC game. And really, it's taken off in such a way that I really enjoy. Yeah, I always joke with you about establishing the run and uh, pounding the rock, running it right up the middle. But I like it, and I like this this power run team. I think it's great. Even though we have a power run team, you know, we still have some receiving threats. Jana made a nice grab. It was nice to have Lavelle Davis back. You know, he he had that touchdown, and uh, you know, unfortunately for him, he made kind of a rookie mistake by taunting the defender who he just sauced with that grab over him. <laughs> but um, and unfortunately, we didn't get the touchdown from that. But he he really, it's good to have him back. It's kind of I've been doing a lot of Saints analogies recently. It's like having Michael Thomas back on the Saints. Um, you know, when he came back, we just destroyed the Buccaneers. Uh, a couple weekends ago, and that was really fun. It's a fun to have Lavelle Davis back. He's a true deep threat. Every time uh, he touches the ball, there it is a mismatch. No matter who guards him, uh, he's either faster than a linebacker or he is much taller than a cornerback. And it's really uh, it's going to be fun to watch him and Brennan work together over the next couple of years. And hopefully, Brennan can nail that jump ball down because he he's going to catch it every single time. Yeah, I mean, he's talking about the next couple of years. I mean, Lavelle Davis is putting on a show. You know, the dude still looks like a freshman. You know, he hasn't had, you know, the true strength and conditioning uh, program yet that a college program offers. And, I mean, his future is so, so bright. And, you know, you talk about a power run team. I'm I'm a big believer that explosive players win football games. And I know we've talked about this a lot. And, you know, Virginia – so often last year was getting those, you know, either in the passing game or on scrambles or design runs from Bryce Perkins. And that's really, really where you saw this explosive pass plays. And, you know, when Lavelle Davis was out, I think he was out for three games. You know, we really saw this team struggle. Um, now with Lavelle Davis back, you know, we have a player who can get chunk plays in there. We also have an offensive line that's shown it can open up some holes for some explosive plays. And, you know, to complement that, because it's going to have to be complimentary football this year. But to complement that, you know, the defense is coming up with some timely turnovers as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, everything just seems to be clicking a little bit better right now. And like I said, this is really, really, you know, kind of more of the team we envisioned when we started the season. It's a shame that it's a shortened season with COVID losses and games being moved around and a new quarterback and, you know, everything else that's going on this season. But, you know, I, for one, after starting out one and four, if Virginia can somehow get through the rest of the season and finish with a winning record, to me, considering the start of the season and the injuries. Yeah, and you know, if you, you talk about the defense and the defense had some really good plays, you know, you're talking about the first drive. You know, Louisville goes twelve plays in six and a half minutes on their first drive, and they're right on the doorstep. And Cunningham throws a pass. Uh, Noah Taylor intercepts the pass and takes it back to the house. That really swung the momentum and Louisville because the rest of the half really UVA doesn't do a lot, especially in that first quarter. Uh, we fumble on our on the offense's first drive. Of course, uh, Poljan fumbles right on the goal line. We go ninety nine plays for eighty yards and Poljan fumbles on the goal line. Uh, super disappointing. Louisville punts and then uh, Brennan is picked off uh, three plays into the next drive and Louisville scores a touchdown. So Louisville goes up 10, seven, even though UVA played pre a pretty good game up to that point. And it was kind of concerning, uh, because without that defensive touchdown, we would have been in quite a hole, um, up at that point. But of course, uh, the, who scored a touchdown, uh, in the second quarter. And then we go up 14 to 10, I think that, and then of course there's the two fumbles on the back-to-back -back drives at the end of the second half. I think the defense did a really good job of pressuring uh, Louisville into making mistakes, and I really like that they're being opportunistic with the uh, with the football. You know, Bronco always wants to win the turnover battle, and I, I forget what he says, but you know, it's those things that Bronco wants to do every game. It's like win the turnover battle is for sure one of them, and we did that this game, which was great. Yeah, I think what you're referencing is the like shield 24 score 24 yes. points plus five uh five yards of field position advantage and plus one win the turnover battle, and you know <laughs> we'd actually have to go back and look and see how many of these they hit the past two weeks, but you know 
they for sure hit the over on the points. Um, but, you know, I think you hit the nail right on the head with the defense. This is an opportunistic defense, and it has to be. You know, the secondary is just not very good this year, you know, especially with uh, Joey Blunt and Brendan Nelson out. Again, we don't know when they're coming back, if they're coming back. Um, but with them out, the safeties, you know, just – is a step down from what we expected. I think Antonio Clary has done a fine job, although he's coming back from an ACL rehab that uh, Jeff White noted was pretty difficult, you know, not being on grounds. Uh, Cohen King's a former walk-on, D'Angelo Amos, um, you know, playing like a transfer in his first year in the system. And then the corners, you know, quite frankly, have just been picked on. Um, you know, they didn't play that bad to start the season, but you know, Nick Grant has been picked on in coverage, playing the field corner role. Um, at boundary, Devontae Cross has really been picked on these past few weeks. So, Luke, teams are going to move the ball. And look, UNC moved the ball. Sam Howell put up video game numbers. You know, Sam Howell, 23 for 28 for 443 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, that's crazy. Malik Cunningham wasn't as efficient through the air. But look, I mean, Malik Cunningham rushed for 197 yards. You know, this defense has to be opportunistic um, for Virginia to be in these games. And, you know, Virginia's defense the past few games has come up with some really, really timely turnovers, um, you know, definitely getting some sacks. You know, Charles Snowden, of course, has the four-sack performance. The team had four sacks against Louisville as well. That's just what it's going to have to be. And, you know, every week there's seems like a little bit more of a weakness. You know, against UNC, against Miami, it was the secondary um, you know, against Louisville, it was really the run defense, especially with Malik Cunningham. But it just is what it is. This team is going to have to create turnovers. And, you know, so far through these past two games, you know, they've been able to do that. And the hope is that you get to Abilene Christian and, you know, maybe you can share some things up for this stretch run, um, you know, to finish out the season. You know, I, I think I like what you said about Cunningham because, you know, during the game, I was like, why don't we just you know, put a spy on Cunningham, you know, make sure he doesn't get outside the pocket. I mean, I know he's a dynamic runner, but he had a career high number of yards against us, 197 along with two touchdowns. Um, You know, he, he tore us apart. And my guess is because we were backing guys off because our secondary has been unreliable this season. And so if you back guys off, that gives him more space to run in the middle uh, which is really where he did his damage is right in the middle of the um, middle of the field. Yeah. And, you know, lots of times we tried Zane Zandier as a spy and, you know, quite frankly, just Cunningham broke him down, you know, mm-hmm. Zane would come in too fast and he would shake him, or he'd come in at a right angle and, you know, Malik was just too fast and would outrun him. You know, it was just, he kind of picked on Zane Zandier in that respect. And actually some of the more effective spy plays, you know, when I went back and watched the game again, some of the more effective times were when we used either Noah Taylor or Charles Snowden as a spy, Mm -hmm. you'd see them sometimes drop in, look like they're rushing and drop off and just be the spy on that play. And I know Charles Snowden at least had one sack doing that. So Mm -hmm. it's just really a matter of speed. And, you know, you'd love to be able to bring a safety into the box and say, Hey, you know, D'Angelo Amos, why don't you cover him? Um, and, you know, bring that size um, or really more the speed and tackling ability that a safety brings versus a linebacker. But secondary just, like I said, just isn't that good this year. You know, we don't have the players to be going shorthanded in the secondary. So, you know, we we may do what we could. And one of the biggest plays of the game, honestly, is Nick Grant forcing that fumble on Malik Cunningham. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was 24-17 at that point. Um, you know, Louisville marching down, big play, you know, if he doesn't force that fumble, that could be, I mean, we could be talking about a different game. So we just have to understand the shortcomings of this team, be aggressive, you know, keep bringing the pressure, you know, hopefully we'll get some more picks. Hopefully we'll confuse the quarterback, some forced fumbles, you know, that's just how this team is going to live and die the rest of the season. Yeah. I, I love Zane and he's a great player, but you know, sometimes he feels like a headhunter to me. And he doesn't always take the best angles on people. Like he just wants to hit someone. Like that's a that's a good old fashioned football player, but he doesn't always take the best angles. And Cunningham definitely uh, got him a few times on Saturday. Um, Rob, is there 
anything else you want to talk about with this Louisville game? Anything that surprised you? Anything that you want to continue to see? Anything that we're going to have to do better? Um, maybe not against Abilene Christian, but maybe looking forward. I hate looking ahead, but we're going to look ahead. We are 35 and a half point favorites over Abilene Christian. You know what? Let's not look ahead. How do you feel about go Abilene Christian? What's your? Are we going to win? Yeah, I mean, the hope is, you know, you keep everyone healthy and hopefully give players that aren't as healthy a chance to rest up. So, I mean, there's no reason to expect Joey Blunt or Brendan Nelson to come back this week. You know, for any player that, you know, is feeling slightly dinged up, hopefully they just get a chance to rest. You know, Virginia certainly has to come up and deliver, but, you know, this should be a game where Virginia can be a bit more conservative and hopefully, you know, prepare for this stretch um, run, you know, the Florida State, Boston College, Virginia Tech stretch. Um, you know, offensively, I would say, I think the focus is going to be on running the ball. And I'd love to see some explosive runs, especially out of Shane Simpson and maybe Ronnie Walker. You know, if one of those guys can have a long run. Um, I'd be really, really excited about that. So hopefully this is a game where Virginia can just assert its will. And, you know, like Bronco said, you know, the biggest difference when you're dealing with FCS opponents is, you know, just the depth of the roster, you know, D or FBS players. I always, I still do one, a double a, all that, but um, you know, FBS rosters get 85 scholarships. And I think FCS get like 64, 65 scholarships. So this is hopefully just a game where Virginia can assert its will and, you know, hopefully not have to dig too deep into the playbook. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm i I'm going to enjoy it. I'm looking forward to just relaxing, watching some football. Um, although it is on a local channel, you know, not it's not going to be on a on a ACC network for the first time, and it feels like forever, you know. So it's going to be on local channels. Hopefully, I'll get it. ESPN has us as a 98.6% chance to win. I like those odds. Um, and. Uh, no uh no betting no betting on the game yet so maybe vegas will help us out later um with that but before we move on there is some other football news and unfortunately it's not the happiest uh defensive lineman Jawan briggs has announced that he is going to transfer out of the virginia football program rob what was your reaction when you heard this uh today on tuesday yeah i mean definitely shocked and, um, you know, full transparency, we're recording this right now. It's about 640. Um, so the coaches show with Bronco Mendenhall comes up at seven. So if there's any updates that come up while we might or might not still be recording, we'll be sure to let you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely shocked. Um, and, you know, some things, it was a weird day on the message boards. I will say, you know, people were coming out and they were complaining about quote unquote, a culture of fear, you know, that there's really some discontent within the locker room right now, as far as how punishments are handled. You know, I don't know. I don't know if that's the reason he quit. I really have no insight on this. I know that on the surface, Juwan Briggs was the highest rated recruit of the Mendenhall era, a recruit that started seven games as a freshman, had started all the games this season and had performed really, really well. I also know that on the surface, you know, he was kind of the epitome of what Bronco Mendenhall is looking for in this and culture, you know, a player that's really, really good at football, but also a player who's in acapella groups, a player who has very, very strong academics, you know, a player who's as well-rounded as they get, a person, I should say, as well-rounded as they get. So on the surface, it was very, very shocking. Um, And, you know, I just want to learn more. I want to learn, you know, hopefully – what what kind of went into the decision process and you know how the coaching staff can maybe adjust to you know not have incidents like this moving forward not to say there's any blame on the coaches or the players we just don't know yet um but i'm very i was very disappointed um and a bit shocked quite frankly when i heard the news yeah yeah i know i agree i just i just feel like we don't know anything yet and whether it's like you know, COVID related, which is very understandable. Uh, if it's family related, if it's if there's something else going on, I just think it's too early to make um, to make any assumptions about it. I know you're a big message board guy, but the message boards freak me out. There's just so much going on. I just can't. I can't like people can just go on message boards and say whatever the heck they want, 
They can pretend to know things that they really don't. It's tough to, you know, comb through all the stuff, especially when it feels like no one actually truly knows why Jerron Briggs is leaving right now. I'm, I'm sure someone actually knows, but um, there's just a lot of false information right now. So I feel like it's best to just, you know, sit back and let Jawan tell his story and why he's transferring. And, you know, he, he may never tell us why he's transferring. You know, sometimes the fit just isn't right. Um, even though by all accounts, he seemed to really enjoy his UVA time. You know, he, um, you know, I, I always remember him singing the national anthem before a basketball game last season. I think that just kind of defined who he was. And, uh, I really, you know, I enjoyed him as a person. He was great on the field. Uh, we will surely miss him. You know, he's also the second defensive lineman lost this season along with Richard Burney. As well as if you if you think back to Famui, who is actually sitting out the season. So, is our defensive line getting thin, Rob? Yeah, I mean for sure. I mean, you know, taking kind of surprise and maybe emotional element out of this. You know, what does this mean? He's already been removed from the UVA roster, so we can confirm that Jawan Briggs will not play the rest of the season. Um, seems like this is in a situation where he's going to come back to the team kind of like how um, Nathaniel Beal did over the off season. So if he's out the rest of the season, which we think he is, you know, it certainly leaves UVA thin on the defensive line. You know, he was one of the starters with um, uh, the JV program with Manny Alonzo. So what it likely means is that Jameer Carter starts a nose tackle. Uh, those two are playing end. And really the only other defensive lineman we had been rotating in is a uh, fellow true freshman, uh, Nusi Milani. And, you know, he's played well. He's also, you know, admittedly a bit undersized for a three, four defensive end at only 250 pounds. So yeah, we're definitely thin on the defensive line. Now the other players, it seems like Ben Smiley has been out with an injury uh, unclear if or when he will come back this season. You know, you also have two players, um, that were recruited two years ago and um, Jordan Redmond and Samson Reed, neither of them have played a snap this season. And it seems unlikely that they are going to play at all this season. So it leaves UVA very thin on the defensive line. So how did they counteract that? Most likely playing more nickel, you know, most likely it's going to be, um, you know, when there's even a hint of saying, Hey, maybe we'll play our two, four, five look versus our three, four base look, they'll probably go with the two defensive linemen just to keep these guys fresh. Mm -hmm. um, but it certainly it leaves UVA pretty thin on the defensive line without question. Yeah, it'll it just be interesting to see, you know, how UVA tries to replace uh, Juwan Briggs this season uh, as we move forward. So, I mean, it's for sure a loss. Um I I think our the rest of the guys need to step up, and I think that the uh, I think the the pressure is going to be put on the linebackers to perform even better than they have been already. Uh, so far this season, Dewan Briggs had twenty tackles with uh, three sacks, uh, no no fumbles or interceptions or anything like that. Um, but he certainly was huge, and in the, in the three four defense, it's really important for the tackle to have to be you know, strong and big and in there. I think that, um, I think that we're certainly going to miss his, his size and his presence. And, uh, but I'm interested to see, uh, have they updated the, the depth chart yet? Do you know? Uh, no, they have not. Okay. So the depth chart is released on Mondays. So the depth chart that we saw yesterday, um, still had, uh, Juwan Briggs on there. Okay, makes so, sense. Yeah, the one thing I will say about the depth chart while we're on it is that it did not have Dylan Rankinsmeyer. So most likely, we're assuming Dylan Rankinsmeyer is probably done for the season. Okay. Yeah, that's no good either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of a, a bad stretch of news. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I mean, it listed Juwan Briggs as the starting nose tackle. So Jameer Carter, true freshman, will slide up, be the starting nose tackle. And then we have uh, Adi Batrawaya at left end, Mandy Alonzo at right end, and then Nusi Milani is listed as the backup for both of those end spots. So, you know, they're they're telling us exactly, you know, 
who's going to play? And Bronco has said they were playing with only five defensive linemen before. So now it'll just shrink down to four. So certainly disappointing news, um, you know, purely from a depth perspective, if you even just want to leave it at that. Yeah, that's true. Um, anything else on football? Any last words before we move on to basketball? No, I mean, you know, now now's probably a good transition into basketball, considering um, I'd like to smile at some point. Let's let's have a happy segment. And speaking of happy segments, I want to talk to you about our sponsors, Bet Online and Manscaped. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantages of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We're also sponsored by manscaped jingle balls to the walls fellas listen up untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past it's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season i'm talking about the manscaped perfect package 3.0 that's why this revolutionary company manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer their lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin safe technology so this trimmer cuts to your nuts it's also waterproof so you can use it in the shower the lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new perfect package 3.0 which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season it's literally everything you need to keep trimmed cut free and smelling nice down there and don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls that's just nasty the manscape perfect package 3.0 also improves the crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer you already put deodorant on your armpits why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body ah yes your balls speaking of sweaty and stinky balls i'm thankful for their crop reviver this product along with the crop preserver keeps your balls from sweating smelling and sticking and these products smell good their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood if you know what i mean the perfect package will also come with a pair of manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day it's time to upgrade over those pair of boxers to manscapes high performance anti-chafing boxers tis the season to manscape so get yourself your dad your brother and friends the best gift of all the manscaped perfect package 3.0 get 20 percent off plus free shipping with code armchair at manscaped.com your balls will thank you just just so everyone knows i did do several takes i couldn't i couldn't get through it all at once it was it was just a lot for me to handle and uh I had to do several takes. So Rob heard me say that at least three <laughs> times. And uh, I appreciate Rob for being a great co-host and uh, muting himself while I did this. <laughs> um, but it's great. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas, I think is going to be my new catchphrase. <laughs> I like was laughing immediately as uh, soon as you started with that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, speaking of balls, let's talk about basketball. Basketball comes on next week, next Wednesday, uh, November the 25th. So if anyone is already on Thanksgiving break, I know I will. I don't have school that day, so I will be able to watch this game. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch basketball again. I think it's going to be weird, you know, because we're in Bubbleville in uh, the Mohegan Sun Resort. But I think it's going to be nice just to you know, feel something regular. You know, no one's at these early season tournaments anyway. So I think the early season is going to feel pretty normal to to me. Rob, how do you feel about basketball coming back? Well, I mean, first off, I'm thrilled for it. And, you know, a lot of basketball news has actually come out since we last recorded our podcast. You know, we've got the schedule now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Sam Hauser and Kihei Clark making appearances on the preseason all ACC teams. You know, definitely a lot to be excited about. And I actually, you know, until you just said that just now, I hadn't really thought of it that way. But yeah, I mean, you think of the Bahamas tournament a few years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, you think of these early season tournaments and it's not like there's a packed house. So I think, I think you're absolutely right with, you know, the main game and the Florida games, uh, both in Bubbleville. But yeah, I mean, certainly I think the first game we're really going to know, I mean, I'm sure when we play San Francis and Charlottesville, it's going to be weird with there being no crowd. But I think the first game where we're really, really going to notice it is, 
Michigan State. You know, that's mm-hmm. going to be such a fun game to get up for. Um, you know, there's going to be the Hauser Brothers storyline, not to mention the tournament storylines, you know, all of it. Not to mention they're just two really, really good teams. Um, that'll probably be the first game that we're really, really missing fans. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so excited for basketball season to tip off. I agree. And, you know, the, the, the weird thing is that I have looked online. I haven't found a place where um, UVA has come out and said how many fans will be at games. You know, we know that there's a thousand fans at UVA home football games. We know that there are 750 UVA fans and 250 away fans at every game or somewhere around that number. But for basketball, I haven't found anything um, to say what the protocols are going to be. I imagine they're, it's going to be smaller than that. And I imagine it will just be limited to friends and family of the team. So it's probably going to be pretty small. Um, Rob, you haven't heard anything about fans at games, have you? I have not, but I know just in light of Governor Northam's um, restrictions that went into effect on Sunday night, uh, you know, I'm really not expecting there to be a crowd at all this season. And, right. You know, maybe it's players' families, and that's it. And, you know, in basketball, that's a much smaller number than it is in football in that respect. But, yeah, you know, especially in light of the new restrictions, I'm really just not expecting there to be a crowd this season. Yeah, and and that's super unfortunate. You know, I think I think it goes both ways kind of with everything. You know, we, you know, our football team is going to Virginia Tech this season. There's not going to be a crowd there. That's certainly going to help us. Or there's going to be a limited crowd there. That's certainly going to help us. But at the same time, you know, with basketball, we, we get all these great teams and we're not going to have anyone. This is happening kind of everywhere. And it's kind of unfortunate that the NCAA hasn't had a kind of mandate on a limit to fans because there's different amounts of fans everywhere. I think it's, you know, certainly gives different teams a different advantage over other teams because, you know, some teams like like look at. Florida State, when we go play Florida State in football in a couple of weeks, they're going to have plenty of fans in that stadium. And, and unless something changes, you know, significantly until then. But it, it certainly gives them a huge advantage. And not having those fans, especially for a game like Michigan State, especially for games, you know, against, you know, ACC teams, it's going to be, it's you're going to notice it. And you're going to notice teams uh, play differently at home versus on the road uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be different. And football took a while to get used to. You know, it still kills me. You know, I look at Matt Riley's photos. And Matt Riley does such a great job. And mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like awesome moments. And you're just like, man, like it looked so much cooler if there were people in the stands. Right. And, you know, we're just going to get that same thing with basketball. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, it's just the reality of it. And, you know, I think, I think one thing that I'd be curious to get your take on in general is just COVID's effect on the season. Because... You know, with basketball, it's different than football in the sense that you can be a bit more flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't need to have a week off in between games. But at the same time, you know, COVID's effect, you know, if one player is out with COVID, you know, that's almost 10% of your roster versus, you know, 2 or 3% of your roster in football. So I'm curious to hear, you know, what your take is on how COVID might or might not affect the season. So I think I think that it goes both ways. You mentioned that, you know, like unlike football, if a player is out with COVID on your basketball team, that's at least, you know, 10 percent of your of your rotation, if not more due to contact tracing. So you're going to have some teams that are going to have to cancel games because they don't have enough players or because, you know, you're going to see some star players out this season. But on the same time, basketball, it's easier to shift the schedule around because it's, it is, you know, more flexible. There are less, I mean, there are more games, but they play games in the middle of the week. They play games on the weekends. There's not a set day for that. And so you can play a basketball game on a Sunday at one and it will be fine. Like I, we've been to games at JPJ on a Sunday at one and it's, it's kind of weird, but you know, they can do that. They can play a game on any day they want to. I think that you're going to see a lot more of that. You're going to see a lot more schedule shifting. You know, the ACC football just shifted a bunch of schedules because of teams, you know, screwing up their COVID cases. I think you're going to see that a lot this season. The other thing is that the NCAA has, I think, seriously been considering a bubble for the NCAA tournament, like a massive 64-team 
68 team bubble um, for the NCAA tournament, which would be pretty interesting. And I think they would still hold it in Indianapolis. I'm not sure, you know, how, like, I'm sure there's plenty of courts there, but I think like you're going to need a bunch of hotel space and other stuff like that. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how teams and how conferences deal with it because I think at this point we're seeing a rise in cases over the whole country and it's going to be really interesting to see if conferences ever decide in the middle of the season to move to a bubble format if that does happen just to protect players and also to keep the revenue going. I wouldn't be surprised if they thought about it. Yeah, I mean, it's all such a fluid situation. I mean, if you remember a couple months ago, the idea being floated around was maybe every team makes the tournament. So, you know, that wasn't really floated. It was, it was just coach K was just like, what if we did this? Yeah. People was like, no, no one wants to do that. Although I, I kind of like, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly going to be fluid and, you know, I was, uh, watching ESPN the other day actually, and someone made the point, which was true, you know, from a revenue perspective and from a profitability perspective, I mean, these, these athletic departments are struggling this year. They're cash trapped. You know, there's going to be a championship one way or another, like they're going to find a way to make it happen. Right. So it's really just a matter of how it's going to be done. I think honestly, it would be very disappointing. Um, you know, if these regional games don't get played and their regions, just because it's, you know, really a boom to those communities and economies and whatnot. But, you know, if this is the way it needs to happen, it's the way it needs to happen. Um, and, you know, another thing with that, um, with the ACC tournament, you know, again, not expecting fans to be at games this year, but, you know, as two people who live in the DC metro area, mm-hmm. I'm going to be so bummed if, you know, we're not able to get to the ACC tournament this year Dude, because it is supposed to be in DC. I know. I've been waiting for three years for this. I, you know, I went to it last time, it was in DC, had a blast. Uh, you know, you that was the year UVA um lost to UNC in the in the championship game, and of course we went on that year to lose to Syracuse in the Elite Eight. We don't talk about that ever. I don't know why I mentioned it. I'm sorry, but that was a great great time. You know, I went to all the games. Um, I was looking forward to doing that. I was going to take off work, but now you know if if COVID cases don't get better, no one's going to be able to do that. So it's unfortunate that it might not be in DC for, you know, quite some time after this. Yeah, it is unfortunate. And, but, you know, talking, talking to like get out of COVID for a bit, you know, I think, I think the big thing that's still hanging up in the air right now with this UVA basketball team is Trey Murphy. Mm -hmm. So if you're good, I'd love to just spend a couple minutes talking about, you know, expectations for this team kind of with and without Trey Murphy because you know Virginia had media day last week for college basketball Mm -hmm. and a reporter asked Tony Bennett you know what's the status with Trey Murphy is he applying for a waiver now that you know eligibility doesn't count this season um and Tony Bennett very gracefully evaded that saying you know Mike Bray is looking for a blanket waiver and blah, blah, blah. And there was no follow-up question. I wish there would have been. And Tony gracefully evaded that. So we have no definitive word right now on if Trey Murphy intends to apply for a waiver. If, you know, he has applied for a waiver, we just don't know. Tony Bennett is keeping this under wraps. No one in the media seems to be pressing him on it, which is fine for now, but it leaves us podcasters out here saying, you know, is Trey Murphy going to play? And if he does play, does that change the expectations for this season? So I'd be curious to hear your take on that. You know, I, I would say that he, if he does play, it does change the expectations. It would certainly change the amount of minutes that people would get. I would expect probably more minutes for Trey Murphy. I'd give Sam Hauser some wriggle, wiggle room uh, in order to, in order to maybe rest a little bit more. It would certainly give uh, Jay Huff some wiggle room in order to rest a little bit more. So it would certainly switch up the matchups and, but I, we don't even know if he's ready for the defense. You know, we see transfer players come in all the time who struggle, uh, who don't play right away because of, they don't know the defense that well, you know, think about back a couple of years to Nigel Johnson, you know, he was a pretty good player. Um, he, he did very well for us in uh, some spot minutes, but he, 
he didn't play a ton at the beginning of the season or at the beginning of ACC season because of, I think, defensively. I think that for defensive reasons, you know, Sam Hauser's had a whole year in the system, learning the system. Trey Murphy has not. And I think with COVID protocols as well, sorry to go back to COVID, but, you know, I think there's just a, less of a time to learn the the intricacies of the of the defense, which, you know, is complicated um, and and really difficult for, you know, you see freshmen all the time not play for, for meaningful minutes until deep into the season because they can't they they don't they can't do the defense yet. You know, think back to Ty and Kyle when they and even DeAndre when he was a freshman after his redshirt year. You think back to them, none of them really played meaningful minutes until the late later half of the ACC season. So it's just it's kind of you know even if he does get a waiver. Would he be any good to us? And would he just take a minutes from uh, take away minutes from other players who are gonna be minute hogs this season? You know, we're talking about Jay Huff. He's gonna be playing a lot. Sam Hauser's gonna be playing at least. You know, I'd guess thirty five minutes a game, maybe thirty two. But he's gonna be playing a lot of minutes this season um, because it's you know, you know he he technically will have another year of, year of eligibility, but. Will he take that or will he go to the draft? It's really hard to tell at this point. I, you know, and another transfer who wanted a waiver, who only got one uh, right up at the start of the season was Braxton Key. If you think back to Braxton Key, our championship year, he didn't get it until, I want to say, maybe a week and a half before the start of the season, maybe less. Do you remember? Yeah, I think it was even less than that. I want to say it was like, we had a game later in the week and he we, got it on like Monday or something. We did an emergency pod on the Braxton Key waiver. <laughs> I just, you know, it could, it could come at any time. And I feel like there's no reason not to this season, especially because there's, you know, free waivers for everyone basically, but are free years of eligibility for everyone. I just don't know, you know, how much he brings as well as how much playing time there is for him. Cause I think he and Hauser kind of play the same position. You know, and or, yeah, and I, I think Trey Murphy is a bit more guard than Hauser is. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It'd be a somewhat similar role. It'd be a similar role. So unless we want to go really small or really big, I think you know he'd be an interesting piece. And for sure, I'd like to have him on the court. I just don't know where the minutes are going to be. But I think that if he if he's there, if he's available, I say let's play him and let's see what happens because he's a talent. He is good. Uh, he is athletic. And if he plays, we are a serious national title, national title contender uh, to repeat as national champions. So I would be uh, psyched to have him play the season. Yeah, I mean, I I for one really hope he does because the buzz around uh, Charlottesville right now is that he is you know a bona fide NBA talent. Now I'm not saying he's first round pick, but I'm also not saying he can't develop into a first round pick. Mm-hmm. And you know that's really what the buzz is: is that he's come in, he's been better than what people thought, and you know the idea of him, you know, sitting out a season and then playing two at UVA, you know, likely isn't the case. He's most likely going to be in Charlottesville for two years, whether those two years are spent playing or one year is spent sitting and the other year is spent playing. So for me, that's really why I'm really, really hopeful, um, you know, that he can get this waiver because, you know, he, unlike, you know, Nigel Johnson, for example, he's a guy that has NBA upside. You know, he's six foot nine. He's played, uh, he played 20 minutes his freshman season at Rice. He played 30 minutes his sophomore season. You know, he shoots uh, between, he was 42% from three as a freshman, 37 as a sophomore, you know, six foot nine wing tremendous length, good shooter, you know, adds a lot of value and is a guy that NBA scouts are going to be looking at. Now, of course, the difference between him and the Braxton Key situation is that we knew Braxton Key was coming in and trying to apply to get that waiver to be immediately immediately eligible. You know, originally the plan with Trey Murphy was that he was going to sit out a year and then play two years at UVA. Now, of course, the difference is that eligibility doesn't count. And, you know, I think there's just been a step up in his game as well. So I'm really hopeful he gets this waiver. I think, you know, he comes in and if he's not starting day one, I think he's certainly starting 
you know, by the time we get into the meat of our schedule at the three. Um, and, you know, you look at a starting lineup, you know, you've got Kihei at point guard, you know, I guess probably Thomas, while the Tensai is at the two, you know, Murphy at the three, Hauser at the four, uh, Hoff at the five. I mean, that's a good, good lineup. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's so much versatility this year, so much depth. Um, reason to be excited about the freshmen, especially Reese Beekman, uh, rumblings are that he's playing really, really well so far in practice. So, you know, there's so many reasons to be excited for this season. And just adding Trey Murphy is just another. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I'm super excited to see what happens. You know, we may get him, we may not. Tony's been tight-lipped on it uh, as as he is on many things. So, it, you know, it kind of makes it more exciting. You know, all of a sudden we have an extra player and that's kind of fun. But, you know, it, w- it might be nice if he gave us a little bit more, you know, tidbits to hold on to. Um, so, yeah, looking at Trey Murphy, uh, you know, we're looking at at how we're going to play our schedule is still it's still changing honestly it changed a little bit today as well and so we'll we'll still be adding teams and maybe taking away teams as as covid does and we'll just see how the season goes we're gonna have to be really fluid this season it's kind of like the football year you know we've we've already had two bye weeks when we shouldn't have so that will probably be similar for our basketball team we're probably gonna have some weeks where you know we might play two or three games and there might be other weeks where we just don't play anyone because of COVID. I think it'll be interesting to watch. And I think I'm really excited to see how we do this season, see where the season takes us. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I think we're still kind of reveling in the national championship in the sense that, you know, there's not like this anxiety around us right now. You know, I remember that national championship year. I was saying, you know, final four bus, like this team was so talented uh, you know, coming off that UNBC loss, you know, we really kind of needed validation. Um, at least I felt team can be really, really talented. I think there's still a couple questions um, at guard play, you know, specifically the two and three spots and how the world of Tensai can develop, you know, if we're going to see a second year jump out of Casey Morcel, you know, there's probably more questions with this team than there was with that national championship team. But at the same time, the expectations are high. And, you know, I don't see any reason why Virginia should not be competing for a Final Four spot this year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm on the edge of my seat and I'm ready to go. And I am so, so hopeful we can get this basketball season through cleanly because this is just such a good UVA team. It'd be a shame to see it not play out the way we'd like to. I agree. I agree. Rob, uh, any yells for you today? you can go first i'll go first i'll go first i want to give a to ty jerome uh got traded yesterday on monday to the oklahoma city thunder he was part of the chris paul trade so it was good to see him in his new thunder uh jersey i i'm not sure if he actually has worn it yet but someone photoshopped it i think so i think he looks good maybe he gets some more playing time i think in his second year he'll be up to the speed of the game a little bit more i'm excited to see what he can do in uh, Oklahoma City, you know, he went there with Ricky Rubio, who's also plays point guard, but he could uh, play some backup point guard as well. Uh, excited to see what he can do and hope hope him the best in Oklahoma City. Yeah, you know, it was really exciting for him to be part of that trade. Um, hopefully he likes OKC. <laughs> hopefully he likes the city. Yeah, we'll um, see. <laughs> I know he would like post stuff on his Instagram in Phoenix. I'm like, wow, that, that really is pretty out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll give my yell to Ronnie Walker. Ronnie Walker finally makes his UVA debut against Louisville. Um, he looked pretty good on his first run too, but you know, I've been firmly in the free Ronnie, the free Ronnie Walker camp, Mm -hmm. uh, for a while now. So, you know, for me, it was really, really exciting. And I think for him too, Bronco even made the comment how excited he was to finally be on the field. So great to have him back and uh, really excited for what he can hopefully do for us the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for that as well. All right. Uh, well, with that, we are done for now. You know, we play Abilene Christian on Saturday. So get ready for that. Uh, hopefully you guys can find it on a local channel. I am skeptical that I will be able to in D.C. Rob, are we going to get in D.C.? Uh, that might be a game that we have to find other ways of watching. <laughs> other other legal ways, for sure. Of course. That's, of watching. that's what I said. Yes. 
And um, we will be doing that. Hopefully, uh, maybe one of y'all kind folks in Charlottesville can share a link with us. <laughs> um, but anyway, we will see you guys next time. Go Who's Beat Abilene Christian. <laughs>